I got the medicine. This is your boy Debunk. It's your boy Reese. You're listening to Medicine Remix. Medicine Remix. On no other place but here on Anchor. Yo, what up, Anchor? This is your boy D. You're listening to Medicine Remix here on Anchor. And it feels like it's been forever since we had a chance to sit down and rap. So happy to be back in the mix. Um, and, you know, there's a conversation that I've wanted to have, um, well, really with myself, but I'll let y'all listen in um, for a while now. Um, and it's something that I don't know if it's just a breakdown in the way I process things and maybe I take things too personally. But um, when I'm seeing patients in clinic, I, I almost feel like since I'm delivering the news, it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It could be something as simple as high blood pressure or something more serious like schizophrenia. Um, nonetheless, I feel a sort of bond, a connectedness to this person and what essentially is going to be their new life. Um, and, you know, some of these things aren't forever. Some people have adjustment disorders. Um, they go through depressive episodes after divorces or loss of jobs, you know, these things aren't forever. They don't have to be forever. Some of them are, but I take them both very personally. Um, and I feel there's a part of me, and maybe for better or for worse, I, you know, I, this may shave a couple years off of my life as I do this, but I feel like because I'm delivering the news um, that in some way, shape or form, some patients might view this as I did this to them on some level, maybe not consciously, but on some level, I'm the face to a lot of these things because I'm the first person that talked to them about it. They may have suspected things. A lot of times people do know something's wrong. They just don't know what, or when you help them understand what's going on, they, it all makes more sense. Their entire life kind of falls into place in front of them and they think, wow, I mean, this makes sense. This explains so much. But it bothers me when the things I'm supposed to be using to treat, the tools that I'm supposed to uh, dispense, whether it be information, whether it be insight, whether it be medication, it pains me so much to know that um, at my disposal are medications that I know for a fact have a high risk of making things worse. Now, does that go for most things? Yeah, you know, most things, if used uh, inappropriately, will probably make things worse. And there's always that caveat, right? If used as prescribed. But there's one particular class of medications, and this is, again, I'm, I'm talking only from uh, my sample size of patients, and that's obviously a very specific community in a very specific area of this globe. Um, so my sample size might not be representative of everybody but it comes up enough for me that I felt it'd be important for us to talk about so the class of medication I'm talking about are benzodiazepines uh, probably more commonly known by the names Valium or Xanax Clonopin maybe even Librium and these medications they're not anything new you know matter of fact I, I believe they were uh, discovered back in the 50s early 50s um, Valium uh, was the first one to hit the market with a big push in 1963 and you know by 1977 uh, benzos were the most prescribed medication worldwide and they never really lost steam 
Unfortunately, they're still in the rankings for a lot of bad things, and the overdose death rates due to benzodiazepine drugs, including what we talked about, Xanax, Valium, Ativan, those sorts of drugs, um, they've quadrupled since 1999, according to a study from uh, Albert Einstein College of Medicine. And, you know, even though researchers found that the death rates overall have leveled off after 2010, they still continue to rise in certain age groups, in particular, midlife and older folks that being said to be somebody in midlife or to be an older person on this medication a lot of times they're introduced to the medication as younger people and that's where i have an issue because a lot of times i actually think it's justifiable why it was prescribed initially but i think it's the follow-up and i think it's the uncomfortable conversations that have to be had and i don't know the right way to do it i i want to share the way i do it Um, but taking a responsibility up front and as physicians holding the fort, holding the front line and saying, this is the plan. This is why we're doing it. These are the risks. And I want to talk about that. So let's do it. Let's spit those Xanax bars. For those of you who might just be tuning in, we're talking about, uh, benzos or more affectionately known as Valium or Xanax or Ativan or Clonopin. Um, These are medications that are known as anxiolytics or anti-panic, anti-anxiety medications. Um, You know, again, these medications were developed in the 50s, really hit the market hard, um, uh, topping the most prescribed medication charts worldwide uh, in the late 70s. And just to get nerded out real quick, um, what benzos do is they enhance the effects of a neurotransmitter known as GABA, G-A-B-A, or in nerd speak, that's gamma-aminobutyric acid. And it works at a very specific receptor, the GABA-A receptor. So again, when benzos enter the system, what they're doing is they're allowing GABA to do what it does, but to do it better, if you will. And, you know, messing around at this particular receptor produces effects like you know, hypnotic sedative effects. Um, it can help with agitation. It can help with alcohol withdrawal. It can work as an anti-seizure medication. However, like with most things, uh, there very rarely is a, a biological free lunch. And, you know, there's downsides. At, at higher doses, uh, these medications can affect uh, short-term memory. They can cause feelings of disassociation. They have their drawbacks. But here's what I wanted to talk about. These medications, a lot of times, at least in my field, um, I see them prescribed for a very specific reason. And generally, it's folks who are anxious or having trouble sleeping or folks who are anxious and having trouble sleeping. Um, the, the trouble is that these medications, you know, you look at the literature and, you know, even from the, you know, manufacturers themselves, um, you know, they'll tout this idea that all research has, has shown that they're safe and effective for short-term use, the emphasis being short-term. Now, here's what I found really interesting when I started to learn more about them. These medications, the benzodiazepines, they work in the same part of the brain as, guess what? Alcohol. Yep, classic alcohol, beer, liquor. It works in the same area same receptors, same neurotransmitters. 
So that being said, if you think about it, if you and I were going to sit down and have a glass of wine every weekend, just hanging out, over time, we'd need a little more wine to get that same buzz. Not because you're a good person, not because you're a bad person, but because you're a person. You will build tolerance to these medications. You'll just need a little more and a little more. And that's where the problem arises most times. Because these medications, the problem is they work. They work quickly. You take it, you're going to know shortly that you took one. Now, since depression and anxiety are next door neighbors, um, a lot of times these things are together when they present to us in clinic. So you see a lot of doctors prescribing, you know, some Xanax to just help somebody sleep, help them get by. And the issue there is that this idea of it being short term, I don't know if it's ever discussed. I don't know if it's emphasized. I don't know if it's really driven home, you know, that the problem is a lot of times antidepressants, they take a while. They take you know up to six weeks for you to get the full effect. And in the meantime, you might need something to hold you over. But getting people off of it, because no matter what your intentions are, after about two weeks of consistently taking these medications, physiologically, all the research shows, you're dependent on them. You may not be wanting to be hooked on them. You may not be doing it to get a buzz. But the problem is when you're coming off of them, there's going to be withdrawal. And that's what I want to talk about. The withdrawal from these medications can be severe to the point where it can kill you. Again, if you're just joining us, we are having a pharmacological recap of the medications known as benzos, benzodiazepines, Valium, Xanax, Clonopin, Librium, Ativan. Um, and I just wanted to share these last closing thoughts about uh, this particular class of medications and, and some interesting tidbits. So I just think the downside to these medications are much more worrisome than the upsides to the potential benefits. Now, most times, if I'm ever going to start, I start off by telling people, look, if you were a friend of mine or a family member of mine, this would be the last medication I reached for. That's just a personal preference. That being said, these medications, they work and they work quickly. So if anybody's ever had one, they tend to know what that feeling is and what that relief is to them, and they want it. But the downside is this. We talked about after just two weeks of consistent use of these medications, even at the lower doses, there's physical dependence. There's going to be a withdrawal from it. These withdrawals are just like withdrawals from alcohol. So if somebody goes into getting the shakes, DTs, delirium, tremens, if you've ever seen anybody who's gotten really sick, when they abruptly stop drinking alcohol, they go down a drinking binge after having drink from, having consumed alcohol for many years, and then they just decide one day, hey, I'm cutting cold turkey. They can die. And this class of medications, cutting cold turkey after using for a while, is no different. You can die. So now, in a perfect world, I wouldn't really prescribe these medications, and even if I did, It'd be with a very strict understanding that two weeks max, we're going to have a very regimented plan. You're going to come off of it. It's going to be very scheduled. We're going to know exactly how this is going to work. We'll taper you off and we won't have to worry about any of those things we talked about. But people who come to me already on this medication for a long time, they say, well, what about my sleep? What about my anxiety? What kind of asshole are you 
that you know this medication works. You just told me it works and it works quickly and you want to take it away from me. That's a problem. This medication class, in my opinion, should be viewed as if you're going to use it, it should be a bridge and not a crutch. Because if you want to be fair with your patients as a physician, it's important you tell them that all the research shows that for even a generalized anxiety, even for a sleep disturbance, people with insomnia, there is no evidence that long-term treatment provides any improvement. And if anything, it can make things worse. Because when they stop using these medications, they get rebound anxiety. They have a worse quality of sleep. So it just doesn't make sense that you would keep using it forever when you know there's all these potential risks. And in terms of those risks, as you get older, there's actually new evidence suggesting that it might actually increase the likelihood of developing early onset Alzheimer's. We talked about earlier these medications. I know it for a fact. I see it all the time. People say, my short-term memory is terrible. Well, that's because you're pretty much drinking beer all the time when you're taking these things. And again, people develop tolerance to them very quickly. A little bit's going to work now, but eventually you are going to need more. And something that I found really interesting, when these medications you know, initially hit the market, and for many years, um, they were giving them to people with PTSD. And you know, as traumatic as those things can be, and as difficult as those waters may be to navigate for folks dealing with PTSD, initially they thought it was a great idea because they thought, well, this is sort of a subset of being anxious. Um, and what they actually found out later is that the research showed that these medications probably made PTSD worse. Ironically, they made it difficult to consolidate memory, new memory, but for some reason, they made it harder to forget the bad memories. So essentially, what they thought they were treating them for, in fact, might have made it worse. The last thing I want to touch on are medications like Ambien and Lunesta. They've gotten kind of sneaky. They call these things non-benzodiazepine medications. And essentially, molecularly, yes, they are different. Chemically, they're doing the same thing. Same receptors, same problems that we just talked about. Interestingly, though, they're approved for insomnia. Again, short-term use, and if you are going to use them, the lowest dose possible, the least frequent possible. But research actually shows these things, over time, worsen the quality of sleep. You actually get less deep sleep, less refreshing sleep, and actually can make rebound insomnia worse. So there you have it. Again, this is D. This is Medicine Remix. Thanks for listening. Only on Anchor. Peace. Medicines in our form make medicine. Motherfucking remix. Medicine remix. I'm a huge fan of medicine remix. I think what you're doing over there is fantastic. I just love the whole thing between the hip hop, which you know I'm a fan of, but the fact that it's mixed with motivation, with comedy, with medicine, and the whole thing just feels like art. And there's nothing else quite like it anywhere on the internet. So uh, it's good to hear from you. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed on no other place but here on Anchor.